This podcast features detailed descriptions of real dead bodies. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Christine Levine, and you're listening to Found Dead. My name's Jason, and I found two bodies. His skin had already started to turn dark. She goes, you're going to break bones. You have to break bones, and it's not going to be pleasant when you do it. Then I noticed the puddle of blood underneath the tailgate. I don't need that anymore. Today's episode, The Body in the Desert. We've heard a lot of stories so far, and what I'm noticing is that it seems you're most likely to find a body while you're at work. And here I always thought it was hiking. So you're going about your day, and then boom, a body. An unattended death is inherently a mystery. Who were they? How did they get there? And what led to them becoming a body? For most people who find a dead body, they'll never know the answers to those questions. The police won't tell you, the coroner won't tell you, and the vast majority of deaths are simply not newsworthy. You're not going to be able to read about it in the paper. And when I found a body at the porn store, even I looked through his wallet because I just had to know something about him. But you don't always get the chance to do that, nor should you, as is the case with our next guest. Jason is a 42-year-old man from Arizona. And his story begins 20 years ago in the baking heat of the desert. I was about 18 or 19-ish years old. I was working for the Forest Service at the time. Now, we were up you know, northeast of Phoenix in a little campsite area. And a lady came up to me and the guy I was working with and said, Hey, 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 there's a guy down the road a ways. He, he needs your help. He needs your help. And she's hysterical. And then she she got in her car and left. And we radioed the dispatch telling them what's going on and that we're en route. A number of miles down the road, we, we come down the road and there's a little white car just sitting in the middle of the road. And, and mind you, this is, a, this is a dirt road. It's not really much of a place for a car. And so we get out and just past the car, probably about 20 or 30 yards, was a, a gentleman lying in the middle of the road. And it uh, seemed he'd been there for a couple of days. What made her think that he needed help? Like if he's been there for a couple of days, <laughs> he, he did not need help. He, he was, it was obvious he was well beyond needing help. Um, I, I think maybe she just didn't want to come to terms that, you know, she saw a dead person also or, or just had a quick look. But she didn't stick around either. She was she wasn't real happy. <laughs> it just seemed like she was in a hurry to leave. Like she she saw something she didn't want to see. She told somebody and she just she got the heck out. She's like, I, I don't want to stick around. You know, maybe she didn't want to answer questions. Maybe she just freaked out by the whole thing. I got injured one time when I was out partying with a bunch of my friends. And one of my friends looks at me and she goes, I'm way too fucking high for this shit, Christine. And she ran away. And I think this lady was just too high for this shit and took off. And so he's an elderly gentleman. And it looked like when he had collapsed, he was on his way back to his car. His skin had already started to turn dark. This was summertime in Arizona. And so and we probably were there about midday. So he I would assume he's been there for at least a day. So weird as it sounds, I'm just really happy nothing started to eat him. That would have changed everything. <laughs> It was really odd. It, it just seemed like he had got turned around. He was on the wrong road. I, every now and then it, it sparks in my memory. And I just wonder, like, was he a dementia patient who, who happened to get out? Just a confused elderly individual? Did he have oh, a, yeah. a map that just showed a road that he's like, oh, I'm just going to go this way? 
And so we get to the body and I radio dispatch and I tell them the ambulance doesn't need to hurry, but they decide to ask more. And the way the Forest Service radios work is if you say it in one area, the entire you know forest uh, district, here's the conversation. And they kept kind of like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? I go, well, he's dead. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and then the sheriffs came out and they said, you know, anything, anytime you find a body, they first have to make sure it's not a murder. And so it was a crime scene. They had us kind of secure the area while we waited for everybody. It's middle of the desert down a dirt road. There's not a whole lot of securing that needed to be done. So we just kind of sat and waited, tried to stay as upwind as possible because it was rather unpleasant. The smell. Yeah, it's a smell you don't forget. Being around the desert and hiking and hunting and, and everything else, I mean, I've come across dead, decaying animals, and it's not the same. Isn't that interesting? It is not the same. And I had this, I had taught, was talking to somebody else, another guest, and I thought a human smell is so different because it's like they have to get our attention because alive people are the ones who are going to take them home and get them connected with their families or get them buried and get... Like if they didn't have that, well, how would they be found? So I like to think that that's their way of being like, I'm over here. Come get me. Help me. Yeah. Because it is so unique. Like if you had just smelled, if we smelled like a regular animal, you might have, you know, nobody would maybe even notice. I mean, he was in the road. That's different. Probably a cow down in the canyon or something. And But yeah, no, the the decaying human, that's it's very significant. Yeah, it's definitely unique. Work closely with the sheriffs in the area. So, you know, they're not going to give me a hard time. They just took a statement. I, I, you know, told them everything that had happened and then just went right back to work. Yeah, that's always interesting to me. There's no special treatment, no time off. No, you're just expected to be like, okay, go about your day now. This is none of your business anymore. See ya. Yeah. So they didn't tell you who he was? Nothing? No, and, and I, they never told me. I never caught up with them and, and to find out who he was, what had happened. And to be honest, I'm not even sure if the sheriff's deputies even found out themselves. So in all in all, it's it's a real mystery. And more I think about it, the older I get, it's 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 kind of makes me a little bit sad to think that maybe he just was a guy who just happened to get lost. You know, maybe he should have right. been uh, home for dementia or, you know, just had a bad day. And, and didn't make it home. Yeah. And he didn't make it home. But he did make it home eventually because because of you. You did the right thing. Got to a new home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. When I look back on it, at the time, it didn't bother me at all. And looking back on it now at my age, I wonder why. Why it didn't bother me as much as it maybe it should have. I've grown up hunting all my life since I was a child. Death has never been anything new. I always knew it happens. It happens to everything. It was never hidden as a child. It was never sugar-coated. I don't know if that's the right way of doing it, but I know I didn't. Maybe I did, but right now I, I don't think I carry any trauma from the experience. I don't dwell on it a whole lot. Well, I mean, that's good, but there is also... I don't know how to say this. There's a way about when the cops are just kind of like brushing you off and just saying, okay, you know, wrap it up. See you later. This is not, you know, just not your business. And then you just go, well, I guess I'm going to work. You just walk it off. You do. You just go, well, I'm going about my life now. And that's what I did for a long time, too. I just nobody acted like it was a big deal. So I didn't act like it was a big deal. 
And I, for a long time, pretended that it wasn't, I, or maybe it really wasn't a big deal until I got older. I think that's what happened to me. Growing up, I was also taught that, you know, you could be angry and you could be happy, but any emotions outside of those, we just kind of keep those in. Nobody needs to worry about those. It wouldn't have been commonplace in my house growing up to be like, hey, this made me sad today. It's the way that other people had those expectations around you. You know, you weren't going to express your feelings anyway, even if you did have them. And how are you supposed to know? Because, you know, you're just being tough and doing what you're supposed to do, going about your life. Keep marching. Yes, keep marching. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. What happens when musicians and audio engineers channel their creativity into a coffee company? You get Decibel Coffee Works. For owners Nick Hainig, Dana Fair, and Ian Hodges, the music and art communities provide them with daily inspiration. At Decibel Coffee Works, they share that inspiration in liquid form, bringing you their best coffee and favorite artists. Decibel Coffee Works purchases their ingredients from sustainable sources, providing a truly exceptional product while contributing to the longevity of the coffee industry. Whether you're shipping their excellent coffee straight into your drip machine at home or sipping a fresh cappuccino inside their cafe in Tucson, Arizona, we know you'll love what you get. You can go to decibelcoffeeworks.com today to learn more. And if you pop by the cafe, let them know that Found Dead sent you. And now back to the show. So what was your next adventure in dead people. <laughs> <laughs> so my next adventure, it, it was a few years later. I, I, I think I was around 22 years old and I was a delivery driver. I had a, a set route. One of my stops was a, uh, a pretty popular drugstore. It was October and I got there before they opened. So I was just kind of hanging out out front, you know, in the truck and just waiting for somebody to show up and sun wasn't quite up yet. And there's a there's a car sitting over there with the hatch open and in the light that was available, it looked like it was a mannequin that was laying in the back. Jason, can I just stop you for one second? I almost named this podcast. It's not a mannequin. <laughs> because everybody says, well, I thought it was a mannequin. And guess how many times it's been a mannequin? Has anybody ever in the history of humanity found a mannequin outside? Yeah. In a car or whatever. Like it's never, I don't think it's ever been a mannequin. Not one time. Be in October near Halloween and he'd actually wrapped a towel around his head. So that's where I'm thinking it's a mannequin. It's a Halloween decoration. Nothing to worry about. Not, not unusual. However, as the sun started coming up, then I noticed the puddle of blood underneath the tailgate. That one, I had to call the cops again and they came out, secured the scene. I had to stay, give full statement and everything else. What time did you get here? How long were you here? What are you doing here? Where are you going next? Where were you before this? Pretty much my entire schedule for the morning, they wanted to know. It turns out that he had shot himself in the head either later that night or before I had got there. That's why he wrapped a towel around his head is not to make a mess. The ladies at the drugstore on the next delivery told me that they got a follow-up. They said that he was kind of a regular an odd individual, but he would come in all the time and try to make small talk with them and stuff. Never buy a lot, but is kind of a strange place to decide to commit suicide is in a parking lot of a drugstore. We had a, a suicide at the porn store one time, and I just kept thinking, if this dude hated us so much, <laughs> like, what, you don't like us? Why would you do that here? How was finding a suicide different than finding the older man? Honestly, I I wasn't as sad. 
Oh, okay. The older man, he his death was accidental. It wasn't intentional. He was just in a wrong place at a wrong time. Whereas this guy right. took life. And it's unfortunate and sad, but for me it's not nearly as as emotionally traumatic as is an accidental death. I think it is awful, though, to think about the level of pain that somebody has to get to, to get to that point. The sadness is just crushing. They're just fucking tired of it. It's the old saying, though, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. But yeah, he, he decided he was done. And he was in the trunk of the car. So it's my memory is a little fuzzy on the car itself. It was either like a pickup truck with a camper shell or it was like a station wagon hatchback type of setup. I do know because like the rest of his body was inside and then his head was on the tailgate. It is funny how when you have a sh like a shock, something you're not expecting to see, you know, you will see, like I said, like maybe a, you think it's a mannequin. Your brain just goes through a lot of things and those kind of details, like you, you may not remember what car, you may get the day wrong, you don't remember... It's just your brain is trying to, um, hey, it's okay. Is it nothing to see here, honey. You're fine. Kind of trying to soothe it over for you so that it doesn't hurt. It doesn't shock you. It wants you to not remember sometimes. These bodies and these experiences, how has that like, affected your like, philosophy on life and on death for that matter? Do you have new ideas about what happens in the afterlife? I mean, to me, the death, the afterlife, what comes after this to me is kind of a it's the next adventure. Like, we don't know what happens. Nobody's successfully proven what happens, and there's only one way to find out. Now, I'm in no rush to go find out anytime soon. But to me, and, and the way I, I think about it is it's not something to to be afraid of. It's it's something to almost, you know, accept and, and it's weird to say be excited for, but it's almost that same feeling. Like, all right, now we're we're done with this. Let's see what's next. What's, you know, what's the next book? What's the next chapter? I get that. Yeah. I, I used to think that way. I mean, I kind of still do. I understand what you're saying. The older I get, the more, uh, like I'm going to find out. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to know for sure. And it's not that long. It makes me want to, um, li live my life like better. Not, not like I'm a nicer person. I am not, but I am more productive. Yeah. And that, and that's why I like, you know, just to enjoy this now, because I mean, there's also the chance that the next turn on the ride is going to just be miserable, but have a good time now, you know, help people now be happy now. That's what I try to do. Make the most of the time you've got. I love that. You want to hear about the time that I got the opportunity to do chest compressions on a dead guy? Yeah, we'll be right back. Hi, Christine here. I just wanted to come in and say that if you have been enjoying our show, we'd love it if you would go to your podcast app of choice and leave us a five-star review and share our episodes on social media. It'll help new people find our show so that we can keep bringing you great stories of finding dead bodies. It's just the way everyone wants to start their Friday morning. And now back to the show. So towards the end of my job with the Forest Service, I was looking to to be a firefighter. So I was taking EMT classes. One of the requirements is you have to do a few hours clinicals in a hospital, an emergency room. So we're doing our clinicals in county, me and a few other students, and they wheel in 
a guy who had coded from a heart attack. And the nurse who was hanging out with us looked at us and goes, you guys ever do chest compressions? I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, come on. So she brought us into the room with the guy. And I know the, the first girl stood up there and she started doing chest compressions. And it was like what you see on TV. And the nurse stopped her. She goes, no, 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 no. You got to push as hard as you can. And she goes, don't worry, he won't mind. Oh, yeah, because he's already dead. He's dead. That's where I learned. Nurses have the darkest sense of humor of almost anybody. And it's great. I love them. They're, it's so funny. But it's really weird because when you're doing chest compressions for real, she told us, you got to remember, you're going through a chest bone, through a body cavity to push that heart against his back. She goes, you're going to break bones. You have to break bones. And it's not going to be pleasant when you do it. So it's like a, every time you, you push down, it's crunchy. And so she said, though, if you're doing this in real life, better to have a broken rib cage than to be dead. Oh, my God. I never, you know, I've taken first aid classes. No one's ever said that to me. No one's ever said, you've got to just get in there and press really hard. Yeah, not it, until that moment either. I, you know, CPR classes and stuff. They're like, yeah, you just do dun, dun, dun. So, it, yeah. And it's like, wow, that's that's actually really, really good information to know because that could change everything. Everybody needs to hear that. Everybody. That's incredible. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, too. So he was like dead, like cold. His family hadn't come yet. It was just just a body that you could practice on. But that's I don't know if we were allowed to, but that's what we did. So you haven't had any other interactions with dead people since like your 20s? Have you seen like relatives die or anything like that? Any more death experiences? I had a good friend of mine who was in a car accident and she died. But I was I wasn't there at the accident. That was a open casket funeral. That's the first time I saw an open casket. And I was like, wow, this this is weird. It's it's like a like a cartoon, like a, like, you know, the realistic cartoons of a person. That's how I saw it. It was like, this isn't, it's off. It's her, but it's off. They don't look like they're sleeping. No. And so that was the last time I ever looked in an open casket. I don't need that anymore. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I don't even go to funerals anymore because, well, as I get older, I get invited to more funerals. You know, I'm starting to lose my friends. I'm starting to lose, you know, family members. I'm kind of getting buckled up, ready for you know, maybe my parents or my aunts, and I don't want to go to any more funerals. I just, I, I can't do it. I, I'll have a party, I'll have a, a celebration of their life, but that kind of mourning, you know, having the body out, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, no, I have no desire to go to any funerals. I don't absolutely have to. The last one I went to was my grandmother. Anytime before that, anytime any friends or anybody that we just knew casually had passed, it's like, mm, we'll send flowers. Right, right. No offense, but we'll send flowers. So how do you hope you die? I, not painful, because if it's going to be painful and stuff like that, I'm, I might just take care of the problem myself. I don't see spending the rest of your life what little of it is in misery. Like the Goldilocks way, I would think, is you know you're going to die, but it's not painful, but you have time to close up loose ends. Have your funeral while you're still alive. You know, have your celebration of life while you can still be there to celebrate it. Like, say, if it was something to where it's, you know, terminal, no way out of it, cancer, you've got six months. It's like, well, let's start planning my party, you know, something like that. But I don't know. Suddenly would be nice, but also it, I don't think it would be great for my loved ones, people around me and stuff like that. 
just all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's just gone. We didn't know. That would be tragic for them. And I wouldn't want that. Yeah. And also, you don't get a chance to clean out your browser history. Come on. <laughs> do you have somebody to do that for you? You should get somebody to do that, like a trusted friend or somebody. Just give them your password and be like, erase it, everything, whatever. I have somebody. Yeah, it's it's between my wife and I. We're both on the same page with a lot of stuff. It's like, what happened to his phone? Oh, it fell in the toilet. That's <laughs> weird. <laughs> well, Jason, it's been very eye-opening. I'm really grateful that you wanted to share your stories with us. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. People have different reactions to finding a dead body. Trauma is the most common, but it all comes down to the person doing the finding. Personal history, upbringing, it all factors in. And Jason wasn't too bothered by the bodies that he found. He was raised to see death as a natural part of life. That's part of why I wanted to do this podcast, to normalize a normal part of life, the end of it. We're so lucky in our modern lives with our modern medicine that death is more distant to us, but that's resulted in us forgetting the natural reality of it. So it seems to me, that you're most likely to find a dead body while you're at work. And it's not always as simple as someone just laying on the ground. But we'll hear that story next time on The Body in the Bathroom Stall. Take a deep breath if you can hear me. Make a sound and there is no response. Found Dead is a Levine Entertainment production. This show is produced and edited by Nora Williams. Our logo is by Nora Williams based on a design by Chris Levine. Our theme music is Autumn Sunset by Jason Shaw. The interview you heard today was edited for length and clarity. If you found someone dead and would like to tell your story, reach out to us through email at founddeadpod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at founddeadpod. You always hear you push to the beat of staying alive. But she said also another one bites the dust works the same.